And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry. Hear that local shouting, it's Daner and Dave Ninemitz. It's Daner and Dave Ninemitz. All right, welcome to the latest edition to hear that podcast. Growlin, Paul Eater Jr., Dave Nimitz of The Athletic. Excited to be with you here on Tuesday bye week, which means we can, everybody can kick back and relax and <laughs> calm down and not be mad about stuff. The Bengals are coming off a win. Oh, wait, Dave. Everybody's going to freak out. <laughs> this is not good. Sorry. You know. get a win in the NFL, you got to be happy. Anytime you get a win in the NFL, you got to be happy. No, it's you don't. Just, I know. We, I was there, is, there is I, nothing in this world that can happen that guarantees that people are going to be happy. I was down there and most of the conversation, both in the stands and walking back to the car, was just how bad Zach Taylor is. Yeah. Just lots of Zach Taylor hating going on out there. Yeah, he's... Uh... He's he's the guy under fire right now as the offense is uh, a steaming pile of poo for the final eight drives, yeah. uh, and they're trying to we're we're gonna and we're gonna get there. We're we're gonna talk about that today. Um, I'm writing about it, so I'm diving into it. We're gonna talk through it. Mo Egger's gonna join us as we talk through a little bit of it. We we I spent a lot of time in the walkout, um, bringing you defensive analysis of you know obviously a big moment for them in the course of the season on Sunday and uh finding a way to stop Geno Smith over and over again in the red zone and as I sort of detailed in that story I hope you read it you know it was a really a flashback to writing about what their identity has been the last couple of years in Lou Anarumo and what they focus on and so I that I feel like was covered now Let's get into the, <laughs> the, the gooey, nasty stuff that has offensive coordinator Brian Callahan quite mad. I got to say, yeah. I want to I I paint this picture for you, Dave, because, you know, pe- people that have listened to this podcast or or really any that he's heard him speak, um, he's a pretty even keel, calm, everyman guy in, in interview settings. I mean... He's very rational, logical, talks through stuff. You know, it's not bombastic. It's not uh, screamy, yelly. It's not cliche driven. Um, It's very straightforward. And so for him, we sat down with him to kind of go through a little bit of where things stand at the bye week on Monday, group of reporters. He was mad. And you could tell he'd been mad yeah, <laughs> for yeah. a while. You know when you're so mad for so long that you're exhausted by your own <laughs> anger? 
<laughs> That's where I felt like we caught Ryan Kelly. It was just yeah. like, uh, I mean, for the eighth time, I've screamed about this. How about we yeah. do it again? And it was just laying out the points, like not even just numb to the fact that he's throwing dudes like out there. Like, look, <laughs> I mean, this play, that guy, this thing. I'm just sick of it. He's just a guy that was sick of it. Yeah, he was a not suffering fools gladly kind of guy. And yeah. to to hear it or see the tweets on it, it did not sound like a coordinator who just came off a second win in a row. He he sounded like a dude that just took a a New York Giants type effort on offense. Like he was he just yeah. sounded like nothing went right. <laughs> well, after those first two drives, nothing did. And and that's yeah. the point. And I'm going to bring you, I want to bring you an extended cut of Brian here before we dive into it a second. The point being that with a healthy Burrow now and what happened in Arizona being so encouraging and the way the first two drives went, this team, as he, these group of coaches, these players, this quarterback should be so far above that, what they put out there the rest of that game. Mm-hmm. That's that level should never even come. That team's offenses struggle. Look around. Watch Buffalo on Sunday night. Watch don't watch the Giants. I don't recommend that to anybody. <laughs> watch watch Kansas City score 19 points against Denver of all teams. What yeah. it happens, okay? So this is not about one outing. This is about a totality of okay. You've gotten through some of the hard stuff with the injury and the limitations. And how is the rest of this crap still happening? How is there still not more options? How is this team Jamar Chase and a bunch of nothing? You yeah. know, and and I think that is where a little bit of it sort of comes from. What well, let me ask you, Dave, what what was your impression when you, you know, from from your view on Sunday of the Bengals offense? Well, those first two drives, I mean, it was kind of incredible because the Seahawks' first drive was impressive as well. And it looked like I noticed, uh, you know, as we always have to have constantly changing odds because we all have to be Jimmy the Greek now on every play in every NFL game. It, it Like immediately that game was being projected as the highest scoring game. This is going to be the yeah. highest scoring game. And the Bengals came right back and did the same thing to the Seahawks and then did it again. And it looked like, yeah, this thing's going to be some sort of 42, 38 game or something. And then after that, at both teams, there's just a lot of stalling out. And uh, I, I feel like you can beat the Seahawks like death by a thousand paper cuts. Like you can dink and dunk them to death. And there was a lot of kind of swinging it out wide. They tried to get out the mix and they were getting it to, to chase in space and it was working, but it also looked like everybody else was stalling out. Like what, what is Irv Smith at this point? You know, yeah. what is going on with T Higgins? I, the guys had one good game this year. So Mixon seems to never get to the next level running the ball. Um, we saw Chase Brown and he really didn't do anything. I think people were stunned to hear his name called. Yeah. Um, so yeah, from, from my vantage point sitting down in the end zone, it, it just looked like a lethargic offense. It looked like a lethargic offense the other way too. And it, quite frankly, I think it was two defenses playing really well too. But. Yeah, no, and I think that's part of it. I mean, that's a good. <laughs> Joe Mixon had uh, the Bengals' long run of the day was five. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the shortest in the Zach Taylor era. Seven was the previous low. If you want to go through <laughs> those sad stats, but that's not really like those aren't like winning conducive stats. 
the, the fact is they are bad in stats that they care about because they translate to winning. Let me bring in Brian Callahan, the exhausted, sick of this shit, Brian Callahan to hear. And again, remember, the, he's not a bum. They're not going to get screamy yelly. You can just tell in the words he's using and the way he's talking in the disgust that uh, <laughs> how this is affecting him. I, I cut I chopped this down to seven minutes here for you uh, out of about a 23 minute conversation. And, uh, you know, and I have a lot of other details stuff. I talk with him afterwards about, too. That is really fascinating. So here's Brian Callahan sitting down with our group uh, on Monday. How would you overall assess the offense through six weeks? No, not good enough. Um, good enough to be three and three, but not good enough to be where we want to be at the end of the year um, for a lot of reasons. But at this point, it's performance needs to be better all the way around, coaching, playing, the whole thing. So, um, yeah, not not where I would have hoped to have been. Happy we're three and three disappointed with with the end results i think we can be a lot better than we have been last year y'all were really good at sustaining drives and made that a point of emphasis this year i've uh, been a lot of free now so why, why do you think that's been that case this year uh there's there's various reasons um some of it is we missed some throws um we've dropped some balls we've given up some sacks we you know it's, it's kind of a you know everyone's had a had a moment in, in the barrel if you will so uh, you know, just need overall better consistency. It allows us to score more points. I mean, we haven't haven't done as good a job as uh, I think we're capable of doing. How can you run the ball better? Uh, I think we run the ball okay. Uh, you know, there's 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 a mix of things that can help that. Uh, you know, some of our run production comes off RPO throws too. Like I said, we we factor that into the run game, which those have been pretty pretty good for us. Um, but I, I think that you, know, you can be under center a little more. You can you can marry some of the actions up a little better. Uh, hopefully now that, that Joe's healthier, we can venture down that path a little more. But, yeah, I mean, we get what's blocked a lot. You know, we don't get a lot more than that. Sometimes we get our four and five yards, and, and we're okay with that most of the time, but it's it makes it hard uh, to run for a lot of yards when you run like that. You said he's, you know, you're going through the line was Throws. Yeah. Very uncharacteristic. I mean, I would dare say that it might have been great the first half, what, 15 in a row? Yeah. And then it, did, then it was just the opposite. And I'm, I'm wondering, you see anything that would maybe, no. I mean, because the guys usually just dead on. No, just off. I mean, it was it was really strange. I, I thought after that first day, we scored a second touchdown. I thought we were going to roll. I thought we were going to go, uh, you know, kind of knock those guys out. And, and, you know, really, one more score probably does it. Um, at some point, either late in the second or early in the third, probably puts the game out of reach for them. Uh, the way our defense was playing, but uh, we just couldn't find a way to get that. You know, we turned the ball over on the on the first series coming out of the half, which you know that's regrettable. I don't I don't fault the throw. He, he threw the exact same ball to Jamar on on the the play earlier on the second drive of the game. So, um, guy made a good play. Jamar was was not quite in the same position. So. That part to me is you know, a little bit surprising. Uh, why and how? You know, at the end of the day, we we missed them, and we did not have the same rhythm in the second half as we did in the first half, and, and that was uh, obviously problematic. But I just think that there needs to be more production on offense in general um, for everybody, not in Jamar Chase.
Is there, is there confidence uh, around that that outside of Jamar, you guys can figure that yeah, out? Yeah, I think so. The Jamar show right now. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, T's obviously proven his worth. Um, hasn't had the season, and he's fighting through some injury that, you know, he would probably would have expected from us thus, thus far. So uh, could use more fresh from T. I think, you know, Mixon hasn't been probably as good in the past game as he was a year ago, um, just in terms of overall production. Uh, you know, we drop, we drop a third and two sure. on the first try of the game. That, that's probably another, you know. So just it's just at the end of the day, we're, we're not – producing enough, we're not scoring enough, um, and you can really cut it by any metric you want to cut it. We're just not playing a good enough brand of football that we've been accustomed to playing at this point. Zach said when you met with the offense today, mm-hmm. it was every level, essentially, mm-hmm. Joe on down. Yeah. There was obvious issues. Yeah, we just don't, you know, if it was uh, an issue in the second half, it was multiple things that happened, and you know, the short yard, just as an example, like for the short yardage example, it's, you know, Jonah doesn't come off on a combination on Jordan Brooks and the ball gets, Jordan Brooks is unblocked right in the middle of the hole, and that's not at all what's supposed to happen. But even if he does do it, Andre is too wide and doesn't cut, and doesn't seal off the backside, and Jamal Adams is ripping through there. So even if the ball does cut back there, we got a problem on that side too. So there's just, you got two, two glaring issues on a, on a play that's a critical play in the game on third and one, top of the fourth quarter to keep a drive alive and we don't do it. Um, There's just things like that, just detailed things, execution things um, that, that held us back. And so it's, I wish it was one thing. It's a lot easier to, to address if it's one particular thing that's a problem. We've just had too many inconsistencies, um, too much lack of, of execution, uh, not coached well enough on our end. So just not in a good good place at the end of the day so that's that's unfortunate it's not where we want to be in the immediate aftermath of a game like yesterday the, the, the statement and the mood is always hey a win's a win yeah i don't care what the score is but then the next day when you put on the tape and you're having trouble getting past the 50 does it yeah change and it's like God, yeah. <laughs> yeah it changes uh, i was on my couch last night you know watching it on my ipad just fuming like it's <laughs> you know there's just too many we got too many it was too many good coaches, too many good players, um, to to not play to our standard that we have set for ourselves, and so uh, I think we're. I think that was addressed. Um, all the like you asked the question about is, is everybody had a, had their moment in the barrel today, and um, I think we're all aware of, of what our, what we've done thus far and what needs to get corrected moving forward. So um, yeah, that's. Yeah, you know, it's nice to have a win. It's good to make corrections when you win, but um, you know we didn't offensively play well enough to deserve to win that game. So, then um, I think everyone knows that. That's not they. They know we, the players know it now. We know it. Um, our defense played a hellacious game and, and came up huge in big spots, and we did them no favors. And, and I think we're all on the same page there. Is the meeting you had the most frustrated you've been in terms of? Your feelings in, in a while, or no? I don't think so. I, I just think it was a there's there's a you know there's an accountability factor that especially on offense at this point where where nobody coaching playing has has met our standard and our standards high and it should be because we're capable of, of being really good and thus far we haven't been and there's been a lot of reasons for that and ultimately um, nobody cares you know nobody cares they. We, we have to be better than we've been, and, and I think we will be. But sometimes there's a, there's a time and a place to, you know, 
to tell the truth, and that's the truth at this point. And I think everyone's on the same page with where we are currently and what we're capable of achieving. And uh, I think see the reasons why. I think it's important sometimes to, to point those out, um, you know, particularly in a game that you, that you win and you're fortunate to win it, but it certainly wasn't good enough on our end. Uh, so there's Brian <laughs> Callahan. You know, he said he's uh taking he's gonna take the bye week time to get a few days to go down to Florida and with his wife and go to the beach and just try to the, that sounds like a man that needs a day on the beach. <laughs> you know, just one day to just stare at at the horizon rather than the TV and the iPad. You know, or take the iPad. I feel like it's a lot better to look at that. If it's like Dave, if you read one of my bad stories that I turn in, wouldn't it be easier to read and edit if you were sitting on the beach than if you were sitting in your in your office? Although you you probably want to stay out of the sun a lot of times. Yeah, I'm a bald. Yeah, (laughs) that's what we do. But that's a point. Sometimes it's better to have better surroundings around the bad thing in your hand. And it, it makes it it makes it feel less nasty. Yeah, or he's just gonna bring everybody else down on the beach. Everybody <laughs> else is happy and having fun. Yeah. He's just there's he's kids just building sandcastles. He's running onto <laughs> with the iPad. Have you seen this? <laughs> Look, this is how, not how you pick up a stunt. <laughs> now, now build that sandcastle right. You got bad technique on your edges. <laughs> Might be what he needs. You left you left no room for the moat. <laughs> All right. Sorry, uh, I've got way too much sandcastle experience in recent years. Uh, so. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So let's let's kind of dissect some of what he's talking about here in that everybody has a hand in it. And let's, I mean, we have we have to do what I know we need to play. Like, you know, the we don't talk about Bruno. So <laughs> we don't talk about Burrow, which is a great song, but like you don't talk bad about Burrow, right? Yeah. yeah. Don't talk bad about Burrow. No, no. But we have to. Because Joe Burrow didn't play well. Okay. And it, when you're talking about thro- I mean, I, you know, just going through notes of trying to figure out what was happening in those drives, and it's not this is an extension of the year and the frustration he's obviously had. And it's always been the calf, the calf, the calf, the calf. And, and so you've, you've, you've swept some of the inaccuracies, some of the throws he always makes that he hasn't necessarily made this year under the road. Oh, it, technique and this. And, and, and I think there's validity to a lot of this. I'm, I, I want to make sure I, I always feel like people are going to like, want to stab me on the street. If I say a bad thing about their quarterback, <laughs> But the bottom line is when you watch, you can see he's missing throws that quarterbacks make, every quarterback makes, and that he never misses, that he makes in his sleep, throwing behind guys, timing off with everyone, with Chase, with Boyd. I mean, the third and four where Boyd runs to the line and Burrow throws it down near his feet so he has to dive forward and can't get it. 
I yeah. mean, another short, quick little curl to chase. And he's like having to dive to the side. He's hitting the guy in the back of the helmet. There's, you know, there's just, it's everybody kind of had one of those. It seemed like, uh, to, and, to get specific on the Trey Brown interception. Yeah. Did that, did that look to you like a back shoulder that maybe wasn't read right by the receiver? Or did that just look like an underthrow to you? Well, in talking to both chase and Callahan about that specifically, I, I think that's a, you know, look one-on-one just yeah. throw it in his direction. And he, and he makes the play more times than not. And it can be a chunk. Callie pointed out that, you know, that's the same play that, chase made on that free play up the other sideline one-on-one matchup you like let jamar go win it came in a little short chase said he just couldn't get back through his body yeah you know because of and i I thought brown played it really well yeah it was a great play by brown i don't have a huge problem with that that's give my guy a chance love my matchup and i'll do it it's the it's the easy throws yeah the layups the layups, like never misses a layup guy is out here clanging like a, like, you know, I don't know, a bad game of knock. Who's the worst? Who would be the worst knockout player? You know, where all you got to do is make the layup or who's famously missed layups. Ben Simmons. <laughs> yeah. I think Simmons would be. Yeah. That. He's gone. Yeah. He, it's like, it's like in a bit or not. Is he knob blocking? Is he Chuck knob blocking? Yeah. It's not Chuck Knobloch where you can't throw from second to first, but it's just surprising, right? Yeah. Uh, Off-target percentage for Joe Burrow in 2021, uh, 7.9% first in the NFL. 2022, 7.5% third in the NFL. This year, 11.2% 15th in the NFL. And it seems so much of those are the easier one. And And again, it's to avoid me getting stabbed on the street, like I get it. The first part of this season, you do have things being thrown off, and I'm even willing to throw out the game in Cleveland for you completely. There's, those numbers are still high. You see, it. I mean, this is you, you. You've seen it now. Um, there's just some stuff that's off, and Brian is not hiding that. Burrow no. missed throws. He's missing throws you're not expecting him to miss, and you're wondering what's going on. Um, and to play into another aspect of this, Dave, that you mentioned. You know, he he has zero trust in anybody that's not Jamar Chase. I well, I shouldn't yeah. say that. Let me let me let me let me resend that. He has zero trust in anybody that's not a receiver. Yeah. He doesn't want to throw to a tight end or a running back. He's not even looking in the direction of Irv Smith. He he doesn't have any interest in throwing checkdowns to Joe Mixon anymore. You know, I mean, they happen when he has to, but because they're just not effective right now. So, no, and Mixon had that drop early that I yeah. it killed what could have been a, a third good drive, and he had he had room to run too. If he mm-hmm. catches that, that's going to be a big gain, and it just he just flat out dropped it. Yep, uh, and that's part of a Joe Mixon conversation that I want to get into. But you know the distribution rate is is what's so apparent, and, and Joe Burrow. Every quarterback is like this, but I feel like Burrow is a is is a far end of the spectrum trust quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like you let him down once or twice, you and he doesn't feel like you're gonna be the guy to make the play. You're out of the circle, the circle, of the, the circle of trust. Right? I thought we were in the tree and the bird and the nest. Yeah. Thing. No, and th- you're out of the circle. Okay, I call it the 
the Trenton Irwin Mike Thomas paradox. <laughs> this is what happened last year. Mike Thomas had got a opportunity with Jamar Chase out, and he did not take advantage of it. He had a big drop and another wrong route. And Joe Burrow said, "That's enough of that." Guess who yeah. was gone soon? Yeah. Mike Thomas. He's- he, he spray painted the tail of the cat and called it Jinxie Cat. And then I'm going to fly in the circle of trust. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Uh, it's it's like he spiked the ball onto his daughter's nose. Uh, yeah, because, you, you know, again, we're nothing if not topical movie references. Around uh, topical. It's what all the kids are talking about. Meet the parents. <laughs> not even meet the Fockers. Like, we're no. back at the Ridge. Yeah. Oh, you know, that's how that's how old school we are. But you know, so but you're talking about uh a guy who is just they're not they're not getting anything out of anyone on us. Let me give you the target distribution. because last year Trent Irwin came in after that and, and became a trusted target, right? Yeah. yeah. Um and, and that's it. Build the trust. That's it. That's what I want. A guy that I know will be there, will do the right thing, will make the play. Um, I wrote about that a lot with the back shoulder throws. It's how you know he trusts you. Hayden Hurst said that's what it was a game-changing moment for me when he threw me a back shoulder in a big spot and I made the play. From that point forward, it was like, it's on. We're going to do it. And you saw that. Okay. He doesn't have trust in, in really much of anybody to make a play for him right now, particularly not any of the running backs or tight ends. Uh, distribution rates. Uh, this year, 77% of his targets have gone to wide receivers. That is 5% more than anybody else in football which is partially understanding considering his receivers as weapons, 10% to tight ends, 13% to running back last year, 62% to wide receivers, 15 to tight ends, 23 to running backs. You know, when you have two guys out there, the defense isn't concerned about because they know you're not going to throw it to them. You're limiting, you're tightening your windows. You're, you're adding more attention to, to what you're trying to do. And if you're not willing to throw it to anybody else, your completions are going to be less. And you're just going to see less plays. And and that brings us to that tight end position. Look, if Burrow doesn't trust Irv Smith, Irv Smith shouldn't play. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what else to say about that. And I and I asked Zach Taylor specifically about this yesterday. Look, Tanner Hudson's on your practice squad. He's been better. You know, Irv Smith is not kept getting the ball. He's, he's not. He's not. They're not throwing it to him. Burrow doesn't want to throw it to him. I don't really know. What's going on there other than Burrow has zero interest in 81. Okay. Yeah. So why and and the answer, the answer to me, my thought afterwards was like, well, it was nice knowing Irv Smith after that answer yeah. that I heard from Zach Taylor. Cause he he won, talked about how much he loves guys on the practice squad and views them as players, and never said the name Irv Smith. <laughs> but, so there was no the defending Irv's territory on that one. But here's the thing: culpability goes up the ladder on this because this is not hindsight as 2020. No. How many conversations did we have that taking a tight end out of this class was a smart idea? How how many discussions did we have in the offseason about getting a legit third down back who can re- replace P. Ryan and actually catch the ball? How much did we talk about, you know, do you go out on the free agent market and, and find another tight end? You know, Hayden Hurst is out there. He, he went to Carolina. Granted, he got way more money than you want to pay him. But if you're going to keep going bargain basement on some of these positions, this is this is the price you pay down the road. So th- to me, that's also on the front office and the coaching staff for being okay with going that route. There's no question. And I'm not here to not place blame on them. I, I'm almost exhausted by doing that. My point is yeah. they got to go forward somehow. 
Yeah. Like this is this is their bed. Is there a way to sleep in it that's more comfortable than this? Because this thing that's happening with the the not using anybody else ain't it. It's got to yeah. change. And there seemed to be something there with Tanner Hudson. The ball mm-hmm. finds Tanner Hudson <laughs> a little bit. And I, you know why that is? Because the quarterback's willing to find him. Okay? Yeah. And look, Irv dropping the ball and the whole shot in, against Baltimore and not making the play when Kyle Hamilton tackled him against the cover zero where he could have run for 192 yards after the catch <laughs> is the kind of stuff that turns you into this year's wide receiver, Mike Thomas. You end up in the Mike Thomas porthole. Okay. It's no place to be. <laughs> All right. So I'm just saying that that is to me is an obvious move that they can make going forward is to, to eat. Again, I'm not sitting here saying that Tanner Hudson will turn the Bengals season around, but you got to have somebody at that at a position. You can't have a dead position out there that you're not willing to really utilize and throw to. And when he's played, they've been willing to utilize and throw to. Can he block a soul? No, not really. (laughs) That's part of the problem, too. But you got to maybe it's better to deal with that than the opposite. And, yeah. and and their point would be, well, why am I putting Tanner Hudson out there? Why don't I just put Trenton Irwin out there if Tanner Hudson can't block a soul? Uh, maybe we just go 10 all the time. Well, maybe that's what they need to do as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but Irv Smith on the field doesn't appear to be the answer. And I think that's, you know, kind of a bigger part of this. I'll, I'll I'm going to get to Mo here in two seconds after this stat uh, through six games last year. And I really thought Hayden Hurst took off after six games i mentioned the baltimore game in week five last year where he kind of gained trust but even through a pedestrian six games last year hayden hurst uh 23 receptions 178 yards two touchdowns all Bengals tight ends this year 16 receptions 107 yards no touchdowns yesterday two receptions for nine yards in arizona 49 attempts without any going to a tight end except for one DPI that was basically a throwaway in Irv Smith's direction. I mean, look, you can't have a dead spot. And that's kind of my point there. All right. Let's have more fun. Let's have more fun. Mo's here. What's up, buddy? Speaking of dead spots. No, 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 no. I don't view the it that way. The dead spot in the show has arrived. This this is where we come to life. This is where we come to life. Yeah. Um, uh, Mo Eger, Eastman, 1530 uh, here. And, and you know, we're we're talking through it's it's the what what are you gonna do here? How what are the tweaks? We played Brian Callahan audio earlier, who's just kind of he's that guy you know. He's like he's in the bad marriage, right? <laughs> <laughs> he's he's in counseling. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I don't mean Brian Callahan's actually in a bad marriage. I mean this is like. Yeah. His, yeah. He's in counseling, and when he comes on, and when he goes out on Friday night after his counseling session, he's sitting with his buddies, and he's just sick of talking about it, mm. you know. And and he's just like, "Ugh, I mean, you wouldn't believe the stuff I'm having to answer for in here." And yeah. and, he, and and just it's, something's got to change, right? And and there's a way out. These marriages can be sick. Counseling has a success rate here, okay? Like it, <laughs> some can be saved, right, Mo? Some can. Uh. Be saved. Yeah, it's it's got a success rate. It didn't involve me, but but yes, it's got a success. I've been Brian Callahan. Yeah. <laughs> the point is yeah. that this is the situation they're in. All right. Uh-huh. So they need to find a way to make this work. 
And so I, 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 our days of all the hours that we spent pointing out that they were making these mistakes don't matter right now. The no. point is, how do you fix this? I don't want to do my favorite reference that I always do, but mm-hmm. I will. It's the Apollo 13 topical movie references from oh, us. Yeah, You got to take, we got to find a way to take all the pieces for this and make them fit into that. This is what we got to do. This is what we have. And so when you refigure it, what, where do you start, Mo? If you're starting today and you walk into the meeting, there's Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan and Dan Pitcher and Troy Walters and all these people who are these offensive minds, and you say, number one thing that has to be fixed or changed after the coming out of the bye is? Joe Burrow has to play better. Yeah. How you do you know, fix that? Uh, right. I mean, that, but, but that's, it's remarkable that we're here. Right. And, and I know we had this conversation during, during camp or the off season about defense versus offense and the relatively alarming amount of time we have spent talking about the offense spinning its tires. We're still here doing this. Um, but I, you know, if you want to make it specifically about Sunday, folks are going to harp on play calling fine. Many are going to wonder what's happened to T Higgins. Okay. The tight end discussion is a very fair one. It's been remarkable how in a very short amount of time, Irv Smith has become like public enemy number one in Cincinnati uh, and maybe in his own locker room, I guess. Uh, But the the quarterback has to play better. Like that's, that's the foundation on which this team is built. Joe Burrow's got to be Joe Burrow. And we saw it in uh, moments against Arizona and the way the offense looked early against Seattle, I thought it was going to be one of those days where this team just cooked and, you know, okay. They, they obviously had to play from behind early, but boy, it just felt like good luck defending these guys. We're throwing the ball to Yoshibosh in the end zone. Like what do we, and then I just thought he played very unevenly and it's not because of the calf. At least we're told it's not because of the calf. I I just, I, I know that's not a fix, but, Everything this franchise is based on is Joe Burrow being superhuman. If he's not, well, are they good enough to overcome that offensively? I don't know. I don't know. He's yeah. got to play better. And now, are there are, are there nuances to that? Of course there are. But I just I thought Joe played poorly, very pedestrian. That's not to put it all on him. Um. It, but you know, it was it was his play, but it was also his decision making, right? Like we we put on him earlier in the year, like, well, you know, the decision to run or pass, it's on Joe Burrow. The, the decision to throw a a deep pass to T Higgins with a bum rib late in the game when you're trying to salt it away, that, that's okay. Well, Joe, what are we doing? I, and, and I, it's up to the quarterback to make the pieces work. His play has to be better. Now, okay, well, what does that look like? Somebody far smarter than me is going to have to answer that question, but. I don't think it's unfair to say the, the, the quarterback play for the Bengals over the next uh, 11 games has to be better than it's been over the first six. Now, hopefully he's completely healthy for the next 11, but all I heard last week was getting close to a hundred percent. He played poorly. That can't continue. Yeah. And I, I, there's, I mean, anytime you stare at an offense that ranks 28th in points per drive and has had the long stretches uh, of struggles as they have um it it's going to be mostly on the quarterback that's just the nature especially when you run everything through that guy yeah. um 
and that is the person that makes every major decision and, and the offense is based around him. You're not turning into a running offense. You're here featuring QB. QB needs to play well. I, to me, you know, Mo, I I was talking about this earlier in regards to sort of the, the roots of the tight end thing, but I think it applies to a lot of people. And, and I do think T Higgins has let them down this year. Mm -hmm. Um, has not made enough plays. I mean, his 50-50 ball win percentage is nowhere in the vicinity of where it has been, should be. I understand the rib and and credit him for going out there and trying to play through Mm -hmm. it. But if you then don't play if you can't make that play because that's who you are. And I talked to T about that yesterday. You know, is is that the frustration for you? These are your plays. And he and his point was, yeah, I mean, that that's me. That's who I am. That's the that's my primary weapon. And if you are a top receiver and your primary weapon is high pointing a ball against Trey Brown, <laughs> like that need to win a game, that should be your ball. No mistake. <clears throat> and and that is not that first time. This has happened all year with him. Okay. And so I'm willing again, it's all of these. I'm willing to give a pass for this. I'm willing to give that guy a pass. Mm-hmm. The, to me, the root of it is. Burrow don't trust anybody out there right now outside of like he still kind of trusts Tyler Boyd maybe mm-hmm. in to- at times but not the ball doesn't find him near as much as it does as it used no. to no and and that's that's a quarterback decision he, you have Chase and and nothing else yeah and and, and that comes and, and when you feel like you can feel this lack of trust in in everything that's around you offensively I think that's where a lot of the indecisiveness the inaccuracies come from is there's just seems like there's this whole feeling of not trusting the play, not trusting the routes, not trusting the player and not trusting the ball coming out of his hand or some combination of all of it that has turned everything into just feeling way harder than it should be. And it's remarkable that we're here because of how much we talked about continuity. This isn't a new bunch. You know, this isn't a, uh, you know, it's, you know, Irv Smith's new, I guess, but, but everybody else is the same Orlando Brown's different, but it's same staff, same offense, same quarterback, same primary targets, same running back for the five, same offensive linemen. Like that's, we're supposed to be beyond this. We're, we're supposed to be beyond worrying about why the quarterback doesn't trust the offense or himself or certain guys that he's got to throw to. I, I do think, and I was listening to you guys talk about this and there's no real point in relitigating the draft, but the tight end thing is really, really interesting to me because, you know, Paul, you and I did it. How many conversations did we have about drafting a tight end? Right. And they didn't. And by the way, you watch Sam Laporta with the lions and it's, it's awfully hard to not imagine him, you know, busting off a lot of yards after the catch here when miles Murphy is playing one defensive snap. That doesn't mean Miles Murphy's not going to be a, a quality player, and they needed to address the pass rush, but still. Um, and I just I wonder if moving forward th- there's some sort of reexamination. You know, I, I said on the air, boy, it you know, it just doesn't feel like they value tight end, and, and some folks came after me, and they obviously want good players at every position. All right. You, you don't want a sinkhole at any position, but is is the idea just every year the the one year prove it contract because eventually you're going to find a guy who can't prove it and I think we're there with with Irv Smith. So does what's happening 
with the that position in particular, you know, in the short term, I'd like to see Tanner Hudson. I think he's their best option at tight end. Obviously, the trade deadline is looming. Um, there are teams that look like they would be in sell mode that have tight ends that may or may not fit. Uh, we obviously could have that conversation about running back too. We talked about it with Samaj P. Ryan, but moving forward, does what's happened this year cause them to reevaluate how they handle tight end, either with, you know, players like Hayden Hurst who had success here or CJ Uzama that just seemed to fit perfectly that they let walk or look, uh, if we've got a treasure trove of tight ends available in the draft, we got to take one. Um, and they didn't. And so I'm, I'm really interested in what that conversation is going to be like at that position in particular moving forward. You know what often happens on teams that, uh, like on winning teams that sneak by by the skin of their teeth or whatever, is is you always have the conversation of, God, where would we be without that guy, right? Yeah, Man, could yeah. you imagine, where would we have been without blah, blah, blah? I feel like, right, this is the other side of that conversation of, where would we be without Sam Laporta? Man, we took heat for taking that <laughs> tight end. Yeah. We took a lot of heat for taking him in the first round, but where would we be without him? We wouldn't be four and two or five and one without him. Right. That feel, I don't think he would be used in quite the same way as, right. uh, as Detroit has obviously found something out of him. But that, again, that's where you can look back and say that could have won them a couple of games. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, yeah. there's, there's no, I don't, I don't know. They're probably still there. Is, is he still losing is he, to Tennessee and Cleveland, but is he a better player right now than Irv Smith? <laughs> I assume that's a joke. Uh, well, but I mean, yes. Nothing against Irv, but but <laughs> you know what? You know what? You know what hurts Irv is that his name's yeah. Irv. That it's hurts tough. Him a lot. Yeah, it's tough man. Like it's so easy to say in a in a like kind of a demoralizing Irv. way. It's not his fault. Is I mean, it's Irv. It's a great. I mean, it's a fine name, and there was a time where it was probably a very popular name. But it hurts him now. It it really does. There, there. You know, it's sort of an old man name. Like Irv yeah. Cross was on TV when I was a kid. There, oh. there haven't been many great Irvs since. Uh He's he's yeah. tried he's tried to put a good spin on it. Going with the, trying to get the Swerve and Irvin thing to take off, but yeah. that it really hasn't. Instead, he just becomes Irv. Sorry, he's, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sure you had a doghouse and Irvin. No, but I mean, yeah. I, I listened to the thing yesterday with Zach Taylor. I mean, it wasn't exactly a ringing endorsement, right? Sometimes it's not what you no. say; it's what you don't say. So yeah. we're six games in. I mean, <laughs> we're a month and a half into the season, and it feels like they look at Irv Smith and go, "Oh boy, we made a mistake." And so, okay, maybe you can't completely rectify that this year you can't go back in time and take sam laporta but does does what's happened at that position this year trigger a change in how they view the position how they integrate it into the offense how they handle the draft and i i think those conversations are, are interesting i i also think it's you know with the Bengals, you it, it, over the course of time you often hear well that's just not something they do right and they've they've busted out of that in many respects. So the, the trade deadline is coming and there are two positions that I think people look at. They look at backup running back where they haven't filled the Samaj P Ryan role. And they look at tight end. You cannot say the idea is to win the championship this year in a, in a league where the trade deadline is handled a lot differently than it used to be, where now it's a thing. It might not be like baseball, but it feels a lot more like baseball than it did just six, seven years ago. You cannot say, well, they just don't like to make in-season trades. Okay, do you not like winning championships? Because I thought the idea was to win a title. And if you have a deficiency, and they do, how do you not, you know, not, not go overboard, but, but how do you not address it if there are players available and teams willing to trade 
whether it be at running back or a tight end, or I, I guess maybe somewhere else. And so how, how that unfolds in the next, over the next two weeks is fascinating. Um, um, I don't, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, Mo. Okay. I can tell you how it's going to unfold. No trades, no trades, but like, why? I, I look, why this, they, this is who they are and they are not going to part with even the most insignificant of draft picks. Do I agree with, I don't agree with this. I'm yeah. I'm telling you, this is what's going to happen. Nothing. And, and this is going to be the thing that is going to deserve the hardest. This is the last mold that they need to break. And I, and I do yeah. fear, I do fear not breaking it is going to cost them, you know, a playoff run. Honestly, yeah. it does yeah. feel that way because these are spots because these aren't spots that require like how much is it really going to take to pry the like two touches of Samaj P Ryan away from tanking Denver. Right. Right. I right. mean, and, and I, and I talked about this last week with, uh, with Paul Hirons, you know, about this is the most obvious, easiest solution you could ever imagine. He's mm-hmm. fallen out of favor on a team that stinks and is looking to acquire any small bit of draft capital possible. Yeah. I mean, give him a late round, a day three trades, a swap, a pick swap for Samaje P. Ryan, and they'll be like, fine, take him, have him. Yeah. I don't, we don't need him. And we wish we didn't pay him. And, and you have a non guaranteed 2.8 on him next year. You could let walk if that's what you're worried about. You only got to pay him like one million. What are we talking about? Like a million and change. I mean, this isn't a lot of money. And, and so it's obvious, but yet the pushback you're going to receive is we need these picks. We, I, I don't see sixth round pick. I see Andre Yoshivash. I don't mm-hmm. see fourth round pick. I see Geno Atkins. I don't, you know, they, that's, that's the the pushback that you're gonna get. See, I see all the bad picks. Uh, when you talk about the sixth and seventh round, fifth round picks uh, that they've had over the years, How, maybe they should just see more of their offensive linemen that they've picked, and it would help them trade those away. Yeah, I see a fifth round pick. His name is Chase Brown. He never plays. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, yeah, I mean, so yeah, having draft picks is awesome. Uh, competing for championships is even better. And this team has a shot. But a shot. With with the the offense as it's currently playing, that seems unrealistic. Does Samaj P. Ryan the, you know the, the 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 most important acquisition you can make? No, but all I know is for two years I heard about how important he was. They haven't replaced him, and he could be had. So and Joe and Joe me. Mixon is wearing down already. Yeah, you yeah, can see it. Sure, I, I mean, like if I'm Joe Mixon, I'm going. Wait a minute, you you cut my pay so I could do more? Like what? <laughs> yeah, and so, and they're getting and they're getting up, uh, you know, the the pay cut version out of that more. No, no question. So what's what's that going to look like in in five weeks? So what they've tried to do with that position hasn't worked. Here is an obvious, easy solution, and you could say, well, I mean, look, I, I understand the the six rounder or we would have to part with that could be a really good player in a couple of years. Well, Samaje Piran was a good player for you and fit an important role that you have yet to fill. Why not? Or if, you know, a, a, a team that's in cell mode has a, a tight end, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I, you've, you've seen Zach Ertz and Darren Waller and, and um, Hunter Henry, um, maybe Hunter, Hunter Henry, Mike Kosicki. I mean, so there's there's a few and, and maybe, 
maybe one of those guys is a, a better fit than the others. I just, you always lose me with, well, that's just not what they do, especially when they've, they've broken so many molds in recent years and stepped out of their organizational comfort zone. Um, that's going to be really sobering if, and you know, and I, I believe you, uh, Halloween comes and goes. And as I'm pilfering my kids candy, I'm lamenting the fact that the Bengals didn't make a trade. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no guarantees and things could change. And if there's, you know, Denver's just like, you know what? Just take them. Wait, we don't even want them here. <laughs> I don't, maybe that's the only way it happens, but, yeah. uh, you know, it, it certainly feels highly, highly, highly unlikely from at least from the seat that I sit in, uh, at this point, um, we have a, a more important topic to get into okay. that, that came up inside of the Bengals locker room last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was one that Jamar Chase actually reacted to pointing out that he doesn't believe in aliens, which, you know, we are, our, our feelings are clear here on that. Uh, and, yeah. and, and, yes. and Bigfoot, uh, mm. cause there was a Bigfoot video that surfaced, uh, a, a Florida man caught it while on a train going through Colorado of Bigfoot appearing to take a dump in the woods <laughs> and, and and being caught on camera and someone wondering uh, if this really was the best shot of Bigfoot that we had. They did see Bigfoot. Uh, did you view said video? And do you agree with Jamar Chase that you're not buying it? So I have spent a lot less time thinking about Bigfoot than I have aliens because yeah. space intrigues me. The woods don't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a big woods guy. I don't want to go. I don't, and I don't want to go into the woods. The, yeah. what, what good happens in the woods, right? Nothing. Peace and lost. quiet. Yeah. yeah, I'm good. Well, they have that in space too. Space <laughs> is intriguing. So I've, I've spent a lot. Woods are much time. cheaper to <clears throat> get to, but I also feel like we have spent many, 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 many more years looking into the existence of Bigfoot because space travel wasn't available uh, up until the last 70 years. Whereas maybe 200 years ago, there were still rumors of Bigfoot. So with the benefit of more time to find Bigfoot, we have yet to find any real confirmation. Even this thing you sent me, this ABC news report, they kind of mock, you know, they're showing movie from Jack Black. I don't even know what that is. So um, I'm skeptical about the Bigfoot. Because yeah. we have more people going into the woods. We've had more time to find Bigfoot. Not everybody can go to space. Everybody can find Bigfoot if, if he exists or she. Uh, so I'm I'm a little I'm a little skeptical uh, okay. about the the existence of of Bigfoot. And if you're Bigfoot at this point, like, is there only one? Yeah, I mean, maybe there's it's just a species of that's out and there, do, and there's just a know- bunch of them what it is is it like a like a big chewbacca looking um i believe what it was here was a man in a suit yeah because okay? that's right. it looks like a it definitely looked like a big person in a suit who was messing with some people on a train one who which was from florida and thought it was very cool yeah i mean look <clears throat> here's the thing shout there out to are, abc news for picking that up by the way we assume if bigfoot were <laughs> to exist he's he's in the woods right I assume, okay I hope. so is there are there forest is there forestry on this planet that has yet to be explored? Probably somewhere. I mean, not to- I'm sure someone's gone over every 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 right. bit. Yeah, at, most at some point in the history of mankind, every corner of this earth has been discovered. Right? 
Feels we right. are only we have only touched a tiny sliver of space, mm-hmm. which is infinite. Okay, so the existence of extraterrestrial life we're we're taking into account the entirety of the universe. Do you know how massive that is compared to our little ball? I just if if you if I were to like, but you got to pick, you got to pick one, which is most likely to exist. The sheer math of it says aliens. Yeah, I'm almost insulted by Jamar scoffing. I don't believe in aliens. Like, come on, man. Like, yeah, I think it's a little unfair. No to, I think Did it's a little see unfair. See what's to... happening in Mexican right. Congress. <laughs> and, and honestly, I, I feel like you guys as reporters were sort of uh, negligent in coming yeah, no, back. I, at them, there need know? to be more follow ups. There's no yeah, question. There's right. No I question. mean, like, what are you guys? What are you guys doing in there? This is, like, we just every time they talk uh, to us about how. You guys don't ask the hard questions. Right. Yeah, that's that's it. I agree. Right there. Right, right there, there. Uh, Jamar, fail, hang on a fail second. by us, fail yeah. by us. And, and I, yeah. I think it's a little, little unfair to aliens to lump Bigfoot in because, again, like by now, if Bigfoot was real, we would have found him. There's only so many places you could go, whereas in space, you could zip around for gajillions of miles. So, just the sheer mathematics of it tells me that aliens are more likely to exist. Once again, we have. Covered all the important topics here on here. That I just I like ground. applying I logic it. to this. Yes, I like and I like logic. be as logical as we could possibly be about aliens versus Bigfoot. I love it. Uh, Mo, I will see you this afternoon at the Moreland Logger House from three to four. People can listen to ESPN fifteen thirty. Should be a good time. Plenty to uh, discuss, as they say. Irv Smith. Irv. Poor Talk Irv. About Irv Smith. Yeah. All right. Irv. Later, Mo. See you guys. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay, Dave, much thanks to Mo for joining us as we covered all the most important topics. Uh, I'm, I'm a little disappointed that Mo didn't know the, the Jack Black Bigfoot reference on that. Mm. That's Tenacious D. Yeah. you got to know Tenacious D. Do but you? I also, I yeah, <laughs> you do well. We, can yeah. we make one youthful movie reference? One, just one. <laughs> no, no, no. 
I do wonder though with Jamar Chase, all that denying of alien, could he be an alien? I mean, uh, given his extraterrestrial likely. skills, yeah. he might just be an alien. He's just trying to get everyone to look the other way. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. He Ask is it. the alien. Ask it next time. I'm sure you won't be embarrassed at all. <laughs> I'm going, going in. I'm, <laughs> first thing Monday. First thing yeah. Monday. Are you an alien? Is this all a cover up? <laughs> uh, one other thing, you know, and I think it's an important point of Brian Callahan's conversation with us and this offensive conversation is the belief that, look, it, this can get better. This is, there's, the pieces are enough pieces are here. There's no reason this shouldn't be an offense that can play really well. And people will revert back to previous years. They have been very much, very improved as the year has gone on. They've certainly won more games as the year has gone on. Joe Burrow has been a killer in December and January. You know, they just don't lose. Um, and I'll only point this out. Uh, so in 2021, when you look at their ranking in terms of in September and October points per drive, uh, they ranked ninth. And from November, December, January, uh, they ranked 10th. It was actually about the same. Now, they really came on and surprised people. Jamar Chase particularly surprised people early in that season. So it was a little different dynamic. Um, they were taking people, and they're not taking anybody a surprise now. Last year, September and October, 2.19 points per drive, which ranked ninth as well. And in the second half of the season, November, December, January, they were 2.47 points per drive. They ranked fifth, uh, sniff, pretty significant uptick, you yeah. know, from, from good to great, so to speak. Yeah. Um, once they, once they crossed over, I think the hope is to replicate that. But again, we're not. They're they're twenty ninth, like <laughs> so. <laughs> I, the idea of twenty ninth to fifth, I mean, would be an all time turnaround, and maybe that's the ends up being the story. Of the season is Joe Burrow went into a cave for two weeks and came out and was fully healthy and tore the league up. And we're going to spend the end of the season saying, could someone win MVP just based on the last eleven weeks of the season? <laughs> like, and and maybe that's where this goes. Maybe it is. But you're asking for a lot for it to go from where it has been uh, to where they, where it really was the last couple of years, or where they think it should be, and just you know, it's it's it's, it's an uphill climb for them to figure this out. And little things like you know, I, mean, I think Chase Brown has to play more to just give them a chance to give them some more explosion. Whether it's Tanner Hudson in, um, whether it's you know, them, they're going to move more to under center because Joe can do that more to give them a little bit more uh, versatility in their play calls and what they can do. All of these things are nice. They are, they are outside edge tweaks. Yeah. The core of things needing to be better really does go back to where Mo started. And that's Joe Burrow needs to play better. And yeah. if that happens, they'll do better. But from um, from a half glass full outlook, maybe you get to fifteenth from twenty ninth. You're a three and three team. You're basically in the same spot you were record wise last year, and your defense is looking good. So really, you just need the offense to improve. You don't necessarily have to go for that fifth in the league, but you just need them to improve. And if they do, 
it's a pretty formidable team if the defense keeps playing like that. There are seven AFC teams with a record above 500 right now. The Bengals are going to play six of them, including Pittsburgh twice. There are not uh, eight teams in the AFC that are 500 or worse. Uh, the Bengals only play two of them. You know, it's, it's going to get harder. Uh, it gets harder with San Francisco and Buffalo right out of the bye. And they're lucky to be three and three. Uh, but the the learning continues with really a need to split in two really tough spots against two of the best teams in the league and have been playing like two of the best teams in the league thus far. And I guess maybe people are saying, no, I saw the Bills on Sunday night against the Giants. Don't sell me that. But in general, the Bills have been very, very good. Uh, and the only team to beat Miami as well. So keep all that all that in mind. All right, Dave, you got a few questions from me from a call from a mailbag last week. Uh, that you're going to throw my way. I don't know what they are. I'm prepared to be surprised and chuck and jive <laughs> on the spot. I'm feeling good. Stretching <laughs> it out. Let's go. What do you got for me? Well, first off, Mo does such a good job of preemptively answering some of these that yes. uh, I've had to scratch them off the list. So okay. uh, we, we may overlap a little bit, but uh, we'll go from, uh, I'm going to assume it's pronounced Milan P subscriber. Okay. Might be Milan. I don't know. Uh, wants an update on Miles Murphy and asks, is he not seeing many snaps because he's been less than stellar and hasn't earned the minutes? Is it because Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard are just that good? Or does Lou Anarumo just hate rotating the D lineman? And just Milan is just wondering how the first round pick is doing. Well, let me turn on the one snap from Sunday. (laughs) Let's break it down step by step. That's where it's at. I mean, Follow this. Follow the, the reps, man. Follow the reps. Follow the money. Story of coaches and players relationships. And Cam Sample and Joseph Osai have earned those depth piece roles. Sam Hubbard's not coming off the field. He just really does. Almost never does. Um, and you know, Miles had opportunity. Uh, when. You had Osai hurt early in the season. He's had some games where he's played a little bit. He's been basically a non-factor. And and look, look at the second round pick. Lou will play you. Okay? Look at DJ Turner. Build trust. Show you can do it. Be a guy. He'll put you out there. Jordan Battle. You know, coming around in practice. Starting to show himself. Earned some snaps that he took away from Nick Scott. Now that reverted back a little bit. Sunday, but he's given him opportunity, finding ways to get him in there. Miles Murphy, one. Okay. It ain't it's just not happening for him right now. And that doesn't mean he's gonna be a long term bust, but it's it's certainly a disappointment and and one of the biggest disappointments of the year thus far that he hasn't played well enough um to earn more. It was always gonna be tough because of the depth there anyway. Yeah. And maybe he's a slight indictment on the pick. Um, you, you put him in a place where you're really loaded and backed up and you have a lot of depth and you extended Trey Hendrickson. And meanwhile, you can't find a tight end to save your life. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, all of this stuff. But again, we we just talked about that. But it's tough. It's a, It's been a rough go for Miles Murphy and not a lot of trust there in him right now. Okay. Well, this next question uh, falls kind of almost in a run, pass, or boot kind of uh, love it 
It wasn't asked that way, but it oh. feels that way. It is from Scott A., who asks, which free agent loss do the Bengals miss most, Hayden Hurst, Von Bell, or Samaj P. Ryan? So I guess Jesse Bates is not allowed to be a part of this. But yeah, Hurst, Bell, or P. Ryan? And if you if it helps you, you can do run, pass, or boot. If that yeah, I'll run, pass, or boot it. I'll boot Bell. I, I, I think despite the consternation directed towards Nick Scott and some of that. I mean, I Dax Hill has really played well and been good. And I, I think between Scott and, and battle, I think that's going to turn out. Okay. I think they've missed some of bell, but when you look at offense offensively at the, just the zero factor happening in the absence of Hurst and P Ryan, I I'd, I'd put P Ryan probably above Hurst just because I think it's a more valuable role for them. Um, And in the long run, I mean, Joe Mixon is just playing way too much. He looks tired. Yeah. He already is older and, and all of that stuff. And, you know, you give no explosiveness there and, and he can't pass protect And as much as you throw it, you end up, they've ended up in a lot of downs where he's had to pass protect and I know he's like, oh, he worked on it and got better. He still makes big, big, bold mistakes, you know, and that's that's a problem. Whereas yeah. P. Ryan just wasn't at all, and it just he's as a better fit for who they are. So I think that hurts. The Titan situation is what it is. We discussed it, but I I think the P. Ryan loss is more. So I would I would rank him above Hurst. Okay. Then our final question, which came in before the Seahawks game. So the last line on this is in reference to the Cardinals game, but it's from Chris E. Who asks, assuming everyone gets health, gets and stays healthy, what do you expect the distribution of secondary snaps to look like as the season progresses? Lou Anarumo seems pretty positive about battle. Nick Scott has been oscillating between great and awful. And to my eyes last week being the Cardinals game, DJ Turner looked as good as any Bengals cornerback has all season. I think this is a really interesting question specifically related to what happens when Cheeto Bowuzier is healthy. Yeah. Um, Cheeto came out there and tried to grit it out, but wasn't himself. He, he mustered, I believe it was 19 snaps, maybe 14. It was 14 and 19 with two numbers. One was a percentage, one was a snap count, but you, you know, he's kind of been working back all year. And to take it easy on him, they used those reps for DJ Turner because he had looked so good in camp. And I think that was partially we want to make sure DJ can play and partially we'll, then that helps us ease Cheeto in a little more and get a real feel. But now, yeah. you know, with a bigger sample size, I don't want to take DJ Turner off the field. Yeah. I mean, God, teams just are not even completing anything in his direction. He's in the right place. He, he makes big plays. He's around the football when it's coming his way uh, and, and you're, you're certainly not doing anything to Cam Taylor Britt. I mean, he's your number one almost at this yeah. point. So uh, I, I think we're going to continue to see a rotation between Turner and Awuzier, um for a while. And, and it's fair. It's fair to wonder if we'll ever see Cheeto as a hundred percent guy hmm. uh, just because I, I don't know how you take DJ Turner off the field completely for a game. I, I don't know how you do that. Hmm. And, and I, I don't think Luana Rumo will. Um, I think the battle Scott, I think Nick Scott obviously won back some trust last week. It felt like with what happened in Arizona, Lou was pushing on Nick and said now or never. Yeah. Like it's gotta be better or this guy's taking your job. And it, judging by what happened on Sunday and 
that suggests that practice was much better and his play on Sunday was much better in, in Luana Rumo's eyes. And I, it felt that way too. Yeah. Um, and so for that fact, maybe Nick Scott won back a little bit, but it's not fake that battle had been impressing them a lot and really starting to make a lot of the right decisions. And, and I think getting that first taste of being a part of the action helps keep you going a little bit more. Whereas earlier in the year, he was kind of, he was not really doing all those things, mm-hmm. uh, but he, coming around now. So I, I think there's, a, there's still a chance that that ends up being a full, but that was a big week for Nick Scott. Cause it really looked like, and I said it last week, it felt like Jordan battle was about to take this job. Yeah. And next thing, you know, uh, Nick Scott kind of fights back a little bit to, to hold on. And so big, big week for Nick Scott. That was. Yeah. Well, and, and Cam Taylor Britt <laughs> establishing himself as such a stud right now. It was impressive to see what he did to DK Metcalf, not the least of which getting in his head. And that's just smart. I mean, I, I watch a lot of Seahawks games and you can get in DK Metcalf's head and he did that right out of the gate. And Metcalf never looked quite right after that. Yeah, no, a, a really big day for Cam, you know, to do that. He's had it's not like he hasn't been a guy or right. or had big games, but like it really feels like he's taken charge back there and to to have a game where he goes toe to toe with a guy like that when the first time they really ask you to follow somebody. Now, granted, that's a unique matchup. Yeah. Cam's the Cam's the obvious matchup. You don't want DJ Turner getting right. bullied as a smaller guy on DK Metcalf. So, I mean, you're but to be given that task and to have a game like he did, including the pass breakup against Lockett, um, yeah. the smaller guy, it, it goes that goes a long way to add more confidence to a guy that was not lacking in it at all, and and kind of send him into that cornerback <laughs> one conversation. And, and on his interception, it looked like he ran the route better than DK Metcalf. Yeah, I'm not really <laughs> sure on Gino's throw there. Yeah, uh, that was that was odd. <laughs> I don't but think he, DK was real sure on Gino's throw. There yeah. Either. Yeah, but Cam Taylor Britt was right there for it, so he was a great and a great interception and and great instincts to pop up quickly and get those yards. Which with that offense being so poor, ended up being you know a bit the difference in the game, arguably. Uh, So, all right, Uh, was that the last questions? Uh, You know, I've got some some super important ones uh, asking about the fireball in the sky and your Ah. Super Bowl pick, but you know we don't have to get into those if you don't want to. Mm, Somebody wants to know. What's on the upcoming Paul Daner Jr. bi-week itinerary? Oh. Uh, I have is, a... Is Fish I have, coming I have a through again? No, not again. They're not coming through again. They came through last week. They've had They're a They've been in the area. They were they were in Chicago. Uh, they were in Dayton. They were in Nashville. They were kind of... If you wanted to, you could be, you could be on the tour, man. You could do... Mm. You could be selling the grilled cheese and, and the... Uh, <laughs> You know, in the YEM merch or whatever, you could be down there, shake down street every week. Uh, so I, I, that is not me. I, I hit one show up at Wright State, Nutter Center. It was great. But uh, no, I don't do not have that on the agenda. I think there's going to be, I'm going to try to sneak the last round of golf in for the year. Ah. Uh, since it looks like it's going to be nice. Yeah. It's uh, supposed to warm up a little. Yeah. Tomorrow's my birthday. It feels like a bir- it's a good day to like not send in any copy to you and go play golf instead. <laughs> Just this is this is me uh, letting you know on the podcast live that I don't, I'm not going to work tomorrow. <laughs> all right, good to know. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's growl or bet. Uh, we got a wrap last. We had 
The growler bet was could they contain Seattle's explosives? So we were going to say total yardage gained on plays of 15 yards or more by the Seahawks. And the Bengals did not do a good job of stopping this at all. If you would have told me this number, I'd have said they lose. And although if you told me any number other than red zone percentage, I would have said that the Bengals lose when you considering how that game went, uh, the red zone saved them, but 10 plays of 15 yards or more for the Seattle Seahawks totaling 236 yards of <laughs> offense. I mean, they were cracking explosives all day um, against the Bengals, but they, all ended in almost no points, which is the remarkable part of it. Uh, none of you considered going to that high of a number. <laughs> uh, and so no no winners this week, but a few uh, in the subject header. Uh, our guy Eric Sanjo says, the get him growler, which I appreciated <laughs> bringing back last week to get him in, yeah. which uh, was high again this week. Um this one from Andrew White. Gino sours his trousers while the boys devour <laughs> Growler. I liked that. Excellent, uh, excellent use of rhyme. Uh, and Mark Grayson playing to my personal heartstrings. Ever heard of the Seattle Seven? That was me and six other Growlers, which is a big Lebowski reference that I uh, uh. always close to my heart. If you can, if you drop a Lebowski in, I'm reading you. Okay, that's just. <laughs> Know that for future reference, because that's what we do around here. Modern movie reference. That's <laughs> what we do. Um, all right. One last Arby's. Uh, I have a I have a decent one. And I hesitate to, to tell this story, but I think everyone can understand this, and I hope they do. Um is this was a rare circumstance. Cam Taylor Britt, it was his birthday Sunday. Happy happy birthday to Cam Taylor Britt. Turns 24. Has one of the best games of his life. Has an interception. A uh, big pass breakup. Gets a game ball. Again, it's his 24th birthday. <laughs> followed by a bye week. Okay. That is the perfect storm of having the night of your life. Okay. <laughs> That's just what it, I think about. Like my birthday when I was 24, I wasn't doing anything that was impressive. I wasn't <laughs> having any major accolades. Uh, in fact, at that time, I believe I was working in a very much a dead end job in rural Arkansas. Okay. In a dry county. <laughs> and I can tell you what I did. I probably had a one too many drinks. All right. <laughs> I sound like Cam Taylor Britt had a big Sunday. Nice. And uh the, the Monday the, the Monday uh might have come a little early. All right. <laughs> Made it in, but uh the, the, the struggles to hit some of the early media mm. requests, I think might have been uh he just needed a little pushback. <laughs> you know, just give me a few on that one. But he came and he made he did he did make his way through a little bit behind uh is he had to do some media that got pushed into after meetings later in the day because I think the morning was kind of off limits for Cam. You know what? My man, right? Yeah. But go do it. Yeah. Go do it. Have yourself a night because you had yourself a day. It was your birthday. So <laughs> shout, shout out to Cam for doing it the way it should be done when you turn yeah. 24 and you have a great day. The stars that, aligned. and it, The stars just, aligned. Yeah, that's one to remember for sure. Yeah. 
appreciate it. So I, I enjoyed hearing about uh, Cam's big night. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right. Uh, that's my arm. Do you have any armies from the game, Dave? What was I your impression, say, I, was your impression of, Bang- of the uh, Bengals game? I did not get headbutted. I was I was yeah. donning my Seahawks gear, had the Sean Alexander throwback on. Yeah, yeah. Shout out Northern Kentucky. Paying it, paying it the local homage to Boone County High School. Mm-hmm. Uh nobody headbutted me and salute to the good people of section 152 who were who were having a good time, but they were civilized and respectful. So I appreciated that. Wow. Yeah. You know, that's so nice and level headed. I'm just glad we all could go and enjoy a sporting event together. Yeah. Right. Not get headbutted. Now the yeah. kid in front of me fell off his seat right down in front of my feet while his dad continued to yell who day and yell at the refs. <laughs> I, I did help the kid up and only is the child. He, okay. <laughs> he was, he was dazed. He looked like Tom Hanks, the beginning of saving private Ryan when they're out there on Normandy. So DC. many modern movie Another references. That's two Tom Hanks ones. I mean, we're up to like 10 nineties movie references at yeah. this point today. Yeah. And then the, uh, the dad just kind of turned around after I got the kid back up said, Oh, what happened? And just kind of <laughs> messed his hair and said, Oh, you're not going to cry. Are you? Tough are and- you embarrassed? I'm yeah. picturing this was this was this was young Jay Morrison at a game like 30 <laughs> years ago or 35 years ago. Did he have a mullet? No. Oh, that's too bad. But I mean, I, I think that's how you you become that. You become very hardcore about your going to games and concerts and such when your dad just lets you fall on your head and continues to cheer on. <laughs> the way you do it, I love it. Yeah, I love it. Well, shout out yeah. to that kid. Hopefully, he's hanging in there. Yeah, uh, he's be doing all right. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. A uh, bye week, so uh, no no second show this week. But we'll be back early. Uh, we'll be back this time next week, uh, previewing the Bengals' trip to San Francisco. Looking forward to it. Everybody enjoy uh, enjoy the time away, and we'll talk to you next week. Have a good one, everybody.